You're listening to the Coaching Matrix Private Podcast. Okay, we're going to start recording because Rebecca just said something that I'm like, this needs to be recorded. So um, what she just said was like, I, I don't have a formula or a way to get back into it. And one of the things that blows my mind is that this this work of coming back to abundance, like actually feeling scarcity is the formula. You have to actually go through that to get back into it. You can't stay in it. And so part of our work isn't just to like, I'm going to become so abundant that I never fall back into scarcity. And actually like scarcity is a gift because it's what gets us back into looking for gratitude, looking for opportunities to feel abundant, like looking for ways to like feel rich or whatever. Like it's the scarcity that gets us back into it. So instead of like, feeling like that's a problem. That's like actually like a good thing. Kind of like, um, the way that I think about it is like when my baby's sick, like it's a good thing that she has a fever or that she doesn't feel good because it helps me get her, um, into like a doctor or getting medicine. It's like similar because we live in a human world. The point isn't to feel abundant all the time. Like, I think that's like the, in the ideal in our head, Yeah, but yeah. rich people don't, don't feel that but they have this, it's like the, how quick can you get back into this? That's, mm-hmm. that's the formula. It's not never feeling scarcity. It's how quick can we get back into abundance? And so, um, if you're jumping on the call, welcome Heidi, welcome Cindy, um, and Brooke. I'm really excited, um, for today because we're talking about shifting from scarcity into, um, into abundance, which is the truth. Right. And what me and Rebecca were just talking about was basically this idea of like, should I always be feeling abundant? And my answer is like, no, because there's going to be things in life that don't feel super abundant, but our ability to shift our perception is what creates abundance in the real, like in our reality. It starts here. And so I have a bunch of books (laughs) to recommend. Some of them I have physical copy of, and so I'm going to show you. Um, One is the abundance book. If you haven't read this or studied this, I highly recommend you do. Um, it has like a 40 day prosperity plan that I really like. The next one that I like talk nonstop about is a happy pocket full of money. Um, which like a lot of, if you guys did quantum play, or if you haven't like read through that or taken that course, I guess this is where a lot of those principles, like I learned them from and then applying them talks a lot about the quantum field and put like total potentiality. The next one is leveraging the universe. And I really like this because it kind of meets me in the middle of like believing in like, kind of like the woo, like, okay, there's abundance everywhere, but like, what do I do? (laughs) Right. And he really talks about how action is um, a sign of faith. And so I like the both, like believing in infinite potentialities, believing that the world, that the universe is abundant and taking ownership and responsibility for what we can do. The next one I'm going to share is secrets of a millionaire mind. I really, really love this book because he talks about true wealth principles as well as like, how, how do rich people think about money? And it's different, right? One of the things that we're up against um, as entrepreneurs is a lot of people around you aren't entrepreneurs, they're, they're employees. And that mindset is different than someone who's creating money, right? Um, when people go to work, you are trading time for money. When we're entrepreneurs, we trade results that we get for people for money. And that's not bound by time. It's not bound by even price. Okay. We create it, we generate it. And so that book really helped me change my thoughts. Some other books that I'm, that are on my Kindle. So I don't have like a physical copy to show you wealth warrior by Steve Chandler. I'll probably make a list in my little email to you so that you have 
this Get Rich Lucky Bitch by Denise Duffield Thomas. Very good book. She also wrote the book Chillpreneur. A lot of you guys have probably heard of that book and both are very good. Um, last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read. <laughs> it's like the whole title. Very good. If you like journaling, I really like that book for like ways to journal um, and, and just like exercises. Yes. Okay. Re everyone look at Rebecca's screen. Rebecca has the book. Very good. And then Money in the Law of Attraction by Esther um, Hicks or Jerry and Esther Hicks. And then You're a Badass at Making Money by Zen Jen Sincero, which I feel like is mandatory reading if you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> like if, if I could create an entrepreneur school, like that would be like a textbook that everyone has to read. Okay. I feel like I just like word vomited a bunch of books, but I think that um, if you like to read, those are great resources. Today, we're going to talk specifically about how to shift out of scarcity. And I just put this on the whiteboard you're going to feel scarcity a lot. And these are great opportunities for you. They're not something to resist. It's something to get curious about and like observe and like, kind of like almost like a little ding, 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 like, Hey, something's going on with you. You're not feeling grateful. You're not feeling like limitless potential. You're not seeing all the possibilities. You're not being in the miracle of what this is. And so when we're feeling scarcity, it's a time to slow down. It's not a time to judge yourself. I think that that will slow you down more than anything. I still feel, feel scarcity. Like it's not something that like, I think we master to the point where we never feel it. I think the game is noticing it so that you can shift it. And we're going to talk about how to do that today, but I want to make this little list of like when people feel scarcity, because it might surprise you. Most people think they're going to feel scarcity when they're not making money. But one of the biggest shocks to people's systems is that, is that when they make a lot of money, they can still feel scarcity. I can't even tell you how many private calls I've done where people are like, falling because it's not what they thought it was going to be when they make money. And so this is why the inner work never stops and shifting out of scarcity is like a skill set that applies to every level, right? It's not just something you do when you're not making money. Um the other place that it's really obvious is when we've made a lot of money and maybe our businesses isn't making as much money as we were used to or maybe you had a big month and then nothing um, or maybe you like left corporate. So you're used to a steady paycheck and now it's like, like I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not making anybody. Right. Um, when we get no's is another time when we stop doing this inner work is another time that it shows up when we get entitled. And this is something that's really sneaky because most of us aren't walking around like, oh, I'm so entitled to these results. Right. It sounds like, like I'm going to share like some thoughts of like how it actually sounds like I've been putting so much work and no one's saying yes entitlement. I have been, you know, promoting myself and marketing and showing up on social media and no one's booking a call. It depends on how you feel about that, right? Instead, if you're like totally neutral, you're just observing, that's just like, you're just sharing what results you've created. But if you feel like they should be booking a call, that entitlement can, can actually be a symptom of scarcity, because one, we're not entitled to anything as entrepreneurs. Like it's, it's a skill set. There's a formula to creating money. Part of it is mindset. Part of it is action, but we're not really entitled to anything. No one has to pay us. We can't make anyone pay us. Right. And so we want to be really clean in how we think about our results. And we're, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. What I mean by like clean in that we are, we are creators, but we're not necessarily entitled to people's yes. Um, let me see this chat. When we get to the entitlement, what's the difference between certainty and entitlement? Like, I'm certain I can help you. Yeah, I'm certain I can help you is not entitlement. Entitlement would be like, hey, you've been watching my social media. Like, why aren't you 
why aren't you siding with me? Like, I see you like all my stuff. I, you've been on a consult with me. Um, I feel like you should hire me that feeling or that like results aren't coming, but you feel like they should be that, that should energy is what I would, is like a indicator that it's entitlement. Um, I think one of the clean places that I come from is like, I don't think anyone should hire me. I, I never believe that. I think I can help. Um, I know if they do say yes, I have sort like resources, I have experience, I have my coaching that can support and help them, but I never feel like anyone that follows me should hire me, I guess is the distinction. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, okay. So this is where it's showing up for a lot of us, right? What do we do when we're feeling this? So the first one is like to stop judging the feelings of scarcity we have as like bad. Like I shouldn't be feeling like this. It's like, no, you should, because you do, <laughs> right? How do we know it should be happening? It is happening. And instead of judging it and trying to like get out of it as quickly as possible, because here's the thing, when we try to get out of it as quickly as possible, we miss the intelligence that it's offering us. Okay. And so when we're feeling scarcity, that's like a really awesome time to like slow down and get really curious without judgment about like what's coming up and what beliefs are the, is it showing me? Okay. Cause scarcity is just rooted in beliefs, false beliefs. Right. Um, I had this like experience and maybe you guys have had this experience in nature or something where you realize like how abundant our world is. There are what eight, almost 8 billion people on the world, like, and you need five clients or you need like a thousand people to buy your product, right? Like we're talking about such small percentages that I think sometimes we forget like the vast opportunity that we have to be successful. Um, and back to kind of like the nature thing. I don't know if you guys have had this experience when you're like sitting out in nature and you're like, you see bugs and grass and different kinds of flowers and different kinds of trees. And like, they're all provided for. And one of the things that for me has been like deep spiritual work, but also just how I've been able to make money in my business is recognizing that, that like, whenever I think there's a problem or a limitation, I am wrong. Not that there actually is a limitation. My perception of my life and business is wrong. And so when I have little indicators, like, where's my next client going to come from? Am I going to have enough money to pay my bills? Like all that, that drama is a false perception. And that false perception, when you're, it's almost like, like, oh my gosh, like I can't see anything, <laughs> right? Like we like hold up the limitations so we can only see certain things. And part of our work is to take it down so we can see a bigger picture. That's where you're going to have the creative solutions. That's where you're going to meet the people that have the money to pay you. That's where you're going to come up with your next offer, or you're going to start creating rhythms and systems in your business, create a pipeline of money and overflow in the future. But we can't see it when we're like, I'm so scared. There's no opportunities, right? We have to do the work to kind of take our beliefs down. And this can be painful because some of these beliefs came from your parents and you love them. Some of these beliefs came from people that you admire. Um, some of these beliefs came from, come from just like our culture and what is acceptable and normal. We talked about status last week. And so a lot of this is like status. In fact, I had, I, um, some of you guys are going to resonate with this. Like when I'm talking to my friends and I have a different belief about money, I don't believe it's, it comes in limited supply. And so sometimes I'll say something, um, like, or actually they'll say something and I don't believe it. So I'm going to give you an example. Like I don't pay attention to gas prices. I don't, I don't engage in um, 
limiting thoughts when I'm trying to be a creator of money. And some of you guys are going to be like, but like, what if this is real? What if I am on a budget? What if I'm not making money? And so one of the things that feels almost delusional (laughs) when you're like not making the money that you want, but you're trying to believe in this future, you have to have your own back because everyone around you is not going to believe the same way. Right. And so part of our work is I always say, keep your blinders on because you have to believe so powerfully in what you do want to believe. Do you want to believe money's hard to make, or do you want to believe money's always coming to you that people want to pay you that money's available money's easy. Right. And what's hard is for the current beliefs, you have a lot of evidence that that's true, right? (laughs) Maybe you have a lot of evidence that money's hard to make or that money is limited or that you have to work really hard for it or whatever. And so we get into this little world, right? We put the paper in front of our eyes and we think this is the only way that we can experience money. And I want, I want to tell you, like, it's so freeing to one, start believing something else, but it's even better when you start creating evidence. The problem is, is you have to believe long enough to create the evidence. Okay. And so some of the things that I, has helped me, one, is I stopped, like for a period of time, I really stopped listening to people who didn't have the results that I wanted. Now I feel like I can have conversations um, with people, but I only take advice from people who have the life and the results that I want. And so what this can look like is like when my broke friend is visiting me, no offense to her, I love her, but her beliefs about money or what I charge or what I do don't necessarily resonate with me. In fact, a few months ago, I was coaching one of my private clients and she was like, well, my mom just thinks I'm charging too much. Like she can't believe how much I'm charging for coaching. And those are the kinds of sneaky things that like, we don't realize it, but we are looking to people who don't have the results that we want to try to inform what we can believe about ourselves and what we do instead of using our imagination and envisioning the future of what we want. We look around to to like for people to validate what we believe or what they believe. And so part of our work is to get clear, almost like blank slate, instead of looking and, and piecing together beliefs from other people, what do you want to believe and what kinds of beliefs support the life that you want to create? And that takes some, some work because we're surrounded by people, right? People who love us, people who are afraid for us, um, people who think, Maybe we should just get a job or we should do it this way. Or like, um, it's interesting when you start to see it, it's like, why is my, so my aunt, this is a really good example. My aunt thinks I build websites for my clients. Like when, when she hears that I help people build their business, (laughs) she thinks that like I build websites for people, which is so funny. And I stopped trying to explain what I do because every time I try to explain what I do, I had more doubt. I experienced more scarcity. I felt more frustrated. And so part of me putting my blinders on was stop trying to tell people what I did who don't get it. And that was a really hard thing to do because they're like, they're curious. So I just like, let her think that I build websites for people. (laughs) I stopped trying to convince her because I feel more empowered just letting her believe what she's going to believe and me blinders on focusing on what I do. And some of you guys are going to need to do that even with people that dearly love you. Right. Um, there was a season in my life that I didn't tell my husband what I was doing because every time I tried to explain it, or I would talk about this new offer, he would be his response out of his own fear and limiting beliefs had nothing to do with me. This is what's what we're up against. Right. He would say, what if people don't pay that you're raising your prices? Like, are you sure? Right. And I'd be like, I'd get in my head because his beliefs were like seeping into mine and I would feel scarcity. 
right? And so part of our work to be in total alignment with abundance is to build up your belief system so strong that then you can go and influence other people instead of other people influencing you. Because it's so easy. You go out in the world and people are going to tell you, like, especially in the world we live in right now, that money's hard to make, that no one's buying anything, um, that there's a limited supply, that you better be careful, right? That you better save, um, that you better, you know, like all these, all this advice. And if we're not careful, we're adapting to beliefs that aren't supportive of the future that we're trying to create, right? And so I shared a book, um, Get Rich Lucky Bitch by Denise Duffield Thomas. And she shares this story of like how when she was working on her money mindset, she, one of the beliefs that she was practicing was like, money comes up from nowhere or something like that. And she was in the car with her husband. Has anyone read this book? <laughs> it's so funny. And then all of a sudden she, her car literally gets hit with money and she couldn't explain it. She couldn't figure out where the money came from, but like for her, it was like quick evidence that money can come from nowhere. And so when I start sharing some of my beliefs, like you might think I'm crazy, but like I've grown to believe them so like so much evidence that I don't think there's a limited supply of money. I do believe money comes from nowhere that clients reach out to me from nowhere. And because, but I started planting those seeds a long time ago. Right. And so part of our work is in the beginning, it's almost like you have to protect your little beliefs from other people because they, they are going to tear it down. They're going to be like, you're crazy, right? You're delusional. They're scamming you. Um, that's not real. That's not how the real world works. Like you need to grow up, right? Like a responsible adult is careful with their money and they do believe it's limited, right? But just notice who's telling you that and do they have the results that you want in your life? And that's my filter. So I stopped listening to a lot of people, including my mom and dad, including people that I love. And I, it doesn't mean I don't love them. It's just like, I'm not letting you into my mind because my mind's a really powerful garden and it grows what I tell it to grow. Okay. And we kind of talked about this um, a few months ago. If you guys re remember, we talked about as a man thinketh that book by James Allen, how like mind is like a garden. If, and you can go back and, and listen to that replay, but like, you have to guard it. So when you feel scarcity, part of it is you'd let your guard down maybe, or you just like started to believe something that you actually don't want to believe, right? One of the things that we're constantly evaluating in our beliefs is like, is this going to grow what I want it to grow? When we believe that money is limited, right? So we have to be careful with money. What does that belief grow? More limitation, right? And so it's like, it's kind of critical thinking, it's evaluating, but you have to do this without judgment, right? Of the other person too, and yourself, so that you can have that clean slate and look at it with neutral observance. And so some of you guys are going to like really dive into this work and I recommend that you do. And one of the dangers of like diving into money work is it can be easy to be like, I suck. My money mindset sucks, which is another form of scarcity and another weed in your garden that you're growing, you see? And so it's tricky. Like it's, it's nuanced and it is complex because our minds are complex and we have 60,000 thoughts a day, right? And you're not going to get to all of them. What I pay attention to are the thoughts that make me feel something, right? So when I'm going to the grocery store, like I'm going to give you a real example. And my daughter asks, you know, can we buy something, something, you know, I don't know. I, I don't even know. Or like this started a long time ago. So I'm trying to give an example when I was just like really trying to protect my little, <laughs> my little money plants that I was growing in my mind. Like I would be really conscious of what came out of my mouth 
in front of my daughters. Like I would never say we can't afford it. I would say something like, cause I don't want to like, what does that seed grow into? Right. When I say we can't afford it versus we're going to spend our money on this. Right. And maybe you've heard this example. Um, it's like, you're not, it's not that you can't afford it. It's like, you're choosing to pay your mortgage. You're choosing to pay for your car. You're choosing to put money away for education. Right. It's like choosing to speak the story of empowerment and growth and creation instead of limitation. Even if you are technically limited by your budget and what you're making right now, it's the story you're telling. Okay. So when I was um, a brand new entrepreneur, I was working VIP kid teaching English in the mornings and coaching um, at night. And I was doing a lot of money mindset work because I realized I was in the financial situation because of my mind. Right. That like, and that's, that's part of coaching is first taking ownership. And once I got out of judgment, that slowed me way down. That's why I kind of mentioned like, don't judge yourself because judgment just slows the process down. After I stopped feeling sorry for myself and stopped judging my choices, the world opened up because I started to say like, what do I want to speak into existence? How do I want to tell this story? And so then, then the creative solutions came, then the thoughts came, right? Then the beliefs started to like, pop through the ground like hey you could believe this you could believe that money is available and everywhere you could believe that you're a wealthy woman you could believe that you manage money well and they were tiny and I could have just stomped on them or I could protect them and grow them and that's what I hope for you guys is to choose beliefs that are empowering and you protect them long enough that now other people look to you for what they want to believe about money right and so I have some notes that I want um, okay. So one of the biggest shifts, we're going to start getting into like actual tools for you guys. Um, well, let me move this is I'm going to, okay. If I can do this, look for seedling beliefs. <laughs> I wrote those down. Um, of what you want to exist in the future. So there are, there is already an abundance in your life. That is the foundation, right? If you, if you look at your current life and only see lack and limitation, it is a very, very difficult to create anything more because you are so sold on the story of scarcity and limitation that that's what you will keep creating. And so part of our work is to look for the seedling beliefs and like that, that little like, okay, it's sprouting from the ground. And what I'm going to give you a real tangible example before I ever signed clients, I would tell myself that I was really grateful for the clients that I had. And that sounds delusional. People in my life probably wouldn't get it. Right. I'm so grateful for this big business. I'm so grateful for the clients. I'm so grateful for the money that I've created. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Right. If I were to say that to someone who wasn't doing this work, they would think I was crazy. And that's why I protected it. I didn't really tell anyone that I was like, believing this, right? Maybe my coach um, who would hold the belief with me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily share what I was trying to believe because I, it would be damaged. And this, this is something that you have to use your discernment on what you tell people and when, right? If you have a vision of your business and you have a vision of financial abundance that you're working on creating, but you know that it's kind of unsteady or shaky, like it's like a little seedling, it's more important to protect it and grow it and nurture it than it is to like shout it from the rooftops, right? Because one person could literally destroy that with like a sentence that feels really logical. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, most businesses fail, right? 
why is that helping you? Oh, it's not, <laughs> right? They think we're, they're protecting us, but we're not. Or when you look at the news and you look at statistics, it seems true that it's going to be hard and that, you know, it's, you're, it's, it's okay if you fail because most businesses fail and most coaches make less than 30 grand a year, right? Like this, this story of limitation is so easy to believe that people believe it, right? So the, these things that are exceptional, that are different, abundance, overflow, businesses thriving, the people who make it are the ones that tend to, tended to the belief the longest. And so one of the things that I want to share with you is like the only way that you're going to fail is if you quit. And I really, really believe that. Um, I just released a podcast on Friday called Until It Works. And this is true of wealth creation. This is true of signing clients. This is true of any business. The only time you fail is if you quit. But quitting often looks way more logical than I'm just, I'm giving up on my dream. That's not what we say. We say, it's, I bet it's better. I bet it's time to get a job. You know, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this is for other people. Um, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to, I'm going to take some time off. I had a lot of my friends that started my, um, our businesses at the same time that that's what they did. And then they never came back. Um, and I think that I would attribute most of my success to just like, I'm just, I'm willing to, to be beaten down because I know that one day it'll work. I can only fail it if I quit. And so these seedling beliefs, Sometimes they are going to get stumped out. Maybe you're going to go to a retreat or you're going to see your family. My grandma thinks, now she thinks what I do is awesome, but she was so nervous for me, right? It, like people's beliefs come out of their desire to help us in their own fear. And so when you're cultivating your belief, I want you to look around for your, your life right now that there's like the, in, in your current life, there's evidence that what you want is available, right? Um, and this can be, really small. Maybe you have like even little people telling you like, I love that post, or I love your ideas. I love reading this, right? That's evidence that you have clients that love your work and want to share it, right? Have you made any money doing what you want to do? It's so easy to, our brains are going to turn that into like, but it's not enough. Or you can look at that as saying evident, like of evidence that this is real, this can be something. And it's up to you on how you nurture it, right? The one client, I remember having one client. I used to go to Starbucks and coach this one client. And um, I use that as evidence that like I could be a fully booked coach one day. I could have looked at it and be like, I only have one client. This is nothing. Like I'm a baby coach or whatever. But I treated that client so well. And I thought about her and I innovated for her and I imagined something bigger. And so you guys all have like saplings in your mind garden right now of, of total overflow, but can you see it? If you're judging your current circumstances, you won't be able to see it until you can find gratitude for what is and what can be. And so part of our work is to one, stop judging what your life is. And that, that is like spiritual where I really believe it is like spiritual work to stop judging your life as not enough and choose to see the abundance of what already is, right? Um, I used to drive this old car and I would, um, it would make this like dinging sound. Nothing was wrong. It was like a loose wire or something. And I was reading You Are a Badass um, at Making Money by Jen Sincero. And she was talking about gratitude. And I was like, you know, I'm going to like rewrite this story. Like I'm going to make this an abundant experience. And from anyone else in my life, right? It would have been crazy. It would have been like, you're kind of cuckoo amber like <laughs> um but basically what what I would do with my little two-year-old back then 
is when the car would ding, we'd say, like, we're so grateful for our car, or we'd yell great, like gratitude or something that was, we're grateful for this car. And it became like a little joke, but then like in the beginning, it was like kind of silly, but then it was like, no, this car gets me and my babies from point A to point B safely. And in that I planted seeds for a better car in the future, right? And now I drive a much better car than that one. And it was baby steps, okay? It's in, in the beginning, your beliefs are gonna feel like a lie. And that that's something that I think needs to be said. It's gonna feel like you're BSing yourself or like it's too big for your, too big for your riches, right? Like it's gonna be so in the clouds. And this is why we have to protect it because some people are gonna say, you're such a dreamer or you're, you know, whatever. And just notice, are they living the life that you want to live? Usually not, right? Usually they're not creating the results that you want to create. And so with compassion and love for them, you can say, thanks, but no thanks, basically, and tend to your beliefs. And so one of the things, so this is, this is the first one that I wanted to share is like, look for the beliefs that already exist in your life, right? Do you have a business? Do you have people telling you that you're doing a good job? Do you have clients? Do you have evidence that it could work? Do you have evidence that your life is already great? And this is where one of my like little um, amber-isms, I guess, as I say, like be in the miracle because, um, because you think if you always postpone what you want to feel gratitude, overflow, abundance, joy, um, expansion, like all those things exist now. And they don't, you don't have to postpone them until you get the results you want. In fact, the more you postpone those feelings, the more you postpone those results too. Um, Especially if you're doing anything with well-being, like if you're a coach, you want to be loving your life, right? Like that's like, you want to be the product of coaching. And if you don't, if you can't be the product, it's going to be hard to attract the clients that want a better life, right? They want to see you living and breathing it. And that, that can happen now. You don't have to wait. You already have miracles going on in your life, but are you sharing them, talking about them and living in them? Um, same thing for any, any business result you want, like really imagining we've talked about the power of imagination, but like I do, I literally sit in my chair and will imagine something for a few minutes a day that I'm trying to create. You can call me delusional, but like I've just seen it work. And so a lot of our work is to uncover and refine what we want and spend time thinking about what we want instead of what we don't want. And that's like a big shift too, is if I, t- if I ask any of you, I'm sure a lot of you guys could tell me what you don't want, but how much time are you spending refining what you do want? So you have a vision of what you want and spending time emotionally there, imagining what it could be like. Um, Cause that's part of tending to the garden too. Okay. And then this is, I've, I've probably shared, oh, okay. Um, this is one of those journal exercises that I share, like that I got from the book, the last law, of, uh, last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read. Um, I think that's the title. It's a long title, but it's good. So you make, basically make a list of things that you're grateful for now and in the past and in the future. And you mix up the order because what this does is it kind of makes your brain, like not realize what's in the past, what's in the future, um, what's in the now. And so it allows you to be grateful for things ahead of time, basically. And that's like a hack, right? If you can feel grateful for the results ahead of time, you feel as if it's already done. That creates a lot of certainty that you're going to achieve it, right? When you can be grateful for something that hasn't happened, your mind's like, it's done. 
And so then you can take those baby steps. And so I like this. If you, if you are a journaler, I don't think you have to be a journaler. So if this isn't like helpful, just toss it. But if you do journal, if you like writing, this can be a powerful exercise as well. Um, and then the next one, the next like um, hack or tool that I really have found useful in the last few years is recreation. I'll, not recreation, <laughs> recreation. So if there was a time during your day where maybe you stomped on your little sapling belief or you didn't stand up for what you do want to believe, um, recreate it later. So how would you have liked to have handled that, right? Let's say someone said, you know, oh, like, you know, you, you're a dreamer. You, you, you know, you have to be careful. Like, don't get your hopes up too high. And you're like, yeah, I shouldn't get my hopes up too high. And then later in the day, you're like, wait, that's not what I want to believe. <laughs> how would you recreate that scene? Right. Or maybe, um, you were thinking about buying something and you're like, oh, we can't afford it. Like, and then you just let that be the story until later you're like, wait, I do not want that to be what I speak into existence, right? I need to recreate that. How could I recreate that? I'm choosing not to spend money on that because I want, you know, to be able to buy it twice, or I want to be able to put money towards my education right now, or I want to spend money on my kids while they're back to school, whatever, way more empowering, right? How can I rewrite the story so it's more empowering? Um, recreation is a very, very powerful tool. You can do this for anything, not just money. And, and that's something that I think is worth saying too, is, is abundance isn't just financial, right? It's not just like the money in our bank account. We can have an abundance of clients, of raving fans, of followers, of impact, of opportunities, of memories, of experiences. Um, and I think that that's, that's equally worth our time too, right? We don't want just money in our account, right? Most people want what money can do, which is experiences, people, memories, um, ease, convenience, things like that, which you probably have elements of that in your life right now, right? How often have you felt great? Like I do grocery pickup. I am always like, I am so grateful or delivery. Costco comes to my house. And every time I'm like, oh, I love that Costco gets to come to my house. Or when I do Uber Eats, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I live in such a cool world that people bring my food to my door, right? How often do you do that in your day-to-day -day life? Grocery shopping that people pick the fruit and it's there all pretty for you that you don't have to go out and like <laughs> gather it. You know what I mean? Meat that's prepared, like driving in a car. There's so many things that we live in an abundant time. How tuned in are you? Because those are little hacks that you can do all day that makes you feel grateful. And I promise like your creativity will be unlocked when you're living in gratitude for the life you already have. Um, in fact, I took a, a course by Melanie Ann Lair. Her, her, if you guys wanna go follow her, her thing is Alpha Femme on Instagram. Anyway, I took a course called Exponential Wealth from her. And one of the things that she talked about is all abundance is built on the foundation of enoughness basically like you already have the life that's beautiful you already have it and so when we fall into the trap of scarcity it's just you've just forgotten that you've forgotten how awesome your life is how great your relationships already are the opportunity you have the convenience um, the blessings that are available now like we just forgot and so part of shifting out of scarcity is just remembering right it's not necessarily anything new it's like a remembrance of what already is great um, can you explain how to mix up past, future, present in a journaling exercise? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you like a little example. So like if I was going to do it, so I would 
I try to mix up the order so that it's like a blend, right? So like maybe I'm grateful for my marriage, which is present and past. Um, I'm grateful that I um, went to college past. I'm grateful that I have paying clients current. So then if I was going to do the future, like I have like a seven figure business, right? And then I go back to the past, healthy kids in current, um, a stable childhood, right? And then driving a four, I'm just going to use my own example. My mom, dream mom car is a Ford Lincoln Navigator, right? That's, that'd be the future. Um, but you mix it up if that makes sense. So I'm going past, present, future, future, present, past. And I'm, and I'm just making a list. And the, the goal is not just to like do it here, right? Like we could do listener ahead all, all day long. That doesn't really help you. But like, when I really think about my marriage, like I could cry. I really could. If I let myself, I'm not going, well, okay. I'm on this call. Like I I'm so grateful for my marriage with Wesley. Like I feel that right? I'm so glad I went to college and got an education. Like that's something that still blesses my life. I'm so grateful for you guys, my paying clients. Like I am like, I'm living the dream, right? I'm so grateful that one day I'll have a seven figure business. Like that's the kind of exercise that you do because you're feeling gratitude. And then it feels so much more real when you can feel grateful for something in the future. And so don't just do it to check off a list. That's my, I used to do that a lot. Like I would do exercises and journaling prompts and stuff because someone said to, everything changed when I experienced it for real, right? When I started actually feeling the gratitude and I took, you know, maybe you write 10 things, but it moves you. That's what we're after. It's not something like check, did the list that Amber told me to do. Like that doesn't change your life. But feeling gratitude every day for the results that you've created, are experiencing, or will create will change your life. And especially if you compound it over time, if you do it every day, you're feeling gratitude for something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to share something that has been really powerful for me. Um, so I want you to think of like a pebble in a pond. And this, this came from the book, The Way of Mastery, in case you guys wanted to read it too. But basically everything that you create is like, your, like the pebble is like your thought, okay? You drop it in the pond. And when you drop something in the pond, it creates like a ripple effect, right? The ripple effect is our life, <laughs> what you're experiencing, right? And so when you experience true scarcity, like in your life, Maybe it's a, a financial circumstance or a business circumstance or something that feels heavy or a client that asks for a refund or no one buying your thing, or maybe like it's an unexpected bill, whatever it is, it comes from a belief, right? A, a pebble that you dropped in the pond. And so when we have life circumstances that happen, it truly is our be best teacher, because what would you have had to believe to create this, right? When I was creating no clients, I had a belief that I didn't know how to create clients. That was my belief. So what needed to change? My belief that clients were coming all the time, right? And so I dropped like a new pebble. And this is what, where we get stuck, right? Between the pebble dropping and the ripple effect is time, okay? <laughs> and, um, you can drop new pebbles, you can start adapting new beliefs and you can quit too soon. 
because you're still experiencing the pebbles being dropped into the pond of old beliefs, right? If you've grown up, if you spent years, decades believing that money was hard to make, and I'm like, hey, money could be easy to make. And you're like, oh, I I want that belief. And then tomorrow you're like, what the heck? (laughs) Why isn't it working, right? You're fighting decades of ripples in your life. And so you have to either compound it with um, action. And this is something that I think is helpful for you. When I I was looking through um, some of my (laughs) old, old marketing, you guys, like I just to like make you feel better about your current marketing. I was on this kick of like, let me see if I can find, oh yeah. So this is legit what I used, what the heck is life coaching? I use this in my marketing. Like this was my, this is what I used to, I'm, it's so funny now, but like I got started though. I was like, I was willing to just take messy action. And one of the ways that you can compound time, there's a few ways is learn from other people, right. And, and avoid the mistakes by learning from other people. That's why I believe in investing or by taking a lot of action. So like, let's say, um, actually Kim, I'm going to pick on you. I think I, I was just talking to you about this, about making offers. Right. And let's say like I've made probably thousands of offers in my life, thousands. Okay. So I'm, I've learned how to make offers that work. And you're, let's say you're a newbie entrepreneur and you've made like five offers and you're like, I don't know why no one's saying yes. I don't know why I don't have the demand. I don't know why I don't have the money. I don't know why I don't have the clients. It's like, well, like you need a times like 200, like you need a 200 times this. And you can do that by doing one offer a week for 200 weeks. Or you can do this by making 10 offers a week for 20 weeks, right? And you start to collapse time. And that's where a lot of people, I think, um, get we slow ourselves down because we're judging our results. We're not actually not in the massive action it takes to learn how to think different. When you can change your thinking by doing thought work, but you can also change your thinking by taking action, right? One of the things that soothes my self-doubt is just being so involved in building my dreams that I don't have time to doubt. I could like, so this is one of the ways I evaluate what I do, right? I could sit and journal. But if I'm sitting in journaling and doubting, that's not helpful. That's not when I journal, right? I journal when I'm in belief. I do those little exercises when I'm believing. If I'm doubting, sometimes I get to work with action that builds because that soothes my doubt. I don't have time to doubt. I'm taking action, right? I'm, I'm making offers. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing an email. I'm sending a client a thought. I'm, you know, taking I don't even know, just anything that's building the dream instead of engaging in doubt. And so some of the things that I do to protect that little seedling is being careful where I share my doubts. Like I said, I don't share my doubts with people that are going to be like, you know, yeah, it's, it's really hard um, to start a business. It really is like most businesses fail. Um, I would share my doubt with a coach who's going to be like, you're crazy. You know what I mean? She's not going to validate my doubt. She's going to help me hold my belief. And so part of my work is if I don't believe something, I'm, I only share my doubts with my coach so I can coach through it. Um, or in like a group like this, like, right. Where I'm not going to be like, yeah, you know, you should probably quit Kim. Like you should just give up. It's so hard. You're not going to hear that from me. Why? Cause I believe, right. So it's safe to share your doubts with me because I'm not going to validate it. And so 
all of this to say, like, there's lots of ways to shift out of scarcity. There's lots of ways to get out of doubt. But I think one of the, one of the biggest tools is your discernment. And some of you guys are making this mistake where maybe you're like, listen, oh my gosh, like I've been sharing my dreams with my mom. Who's like, be careful, honey. <laughs> right. Or I've been, I've been sharing my beliefs with the, my employee, best friend. Who's like, you can't charge, don't charge too much. Like charge this much. Right. Um, there's this, this like disparency or, or discrepancy between what we want to believe and what other people believe and being mindful about protecting the beliefs that make sense for the future you want to create is like the most important thing I think we do. This can be your beliefs about pricing, your beliefs about success, your beliefs about money, your beliefs about coaching, your beliefs about writing, your beliefs about how people pay you and how much people pay you and where your clients are. I mean, this really is, is a huge thing is separating what you want and what, what beliefs will serve what you want versus what other people believe. And we don't need to make them wrong. It's just that they're not building the life that you want to build. Okay. So I want to kind of open it up. I know that um, it can be touchy. Like I know that for me, I started my business in financial scarcity, like, like true, like circumstantial scarcity. And so I, the reason I can coach so powerfully on this is because I had to leave myself. I had no money to pay for a coach. And that was one of the biggest mistakes that I believe that for a long time, I didn't have money to pay for coaching. Right. When I started my, my blog, that's how I got started. Um, so I did this work myself and it took me a lot longer than I think it had to, but I was willing to challenge every belief that I had. And, and you've probably heard this is like, you can be right, or you can be rich. And that blew my mind because I did, I realized I didn't want to be right about my beliefs because my beliefs got me into scarcity. I wanted to be wrong so I could believe the things that would serve the, the future in the life that I wanted to create. So it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to challenge your thoughts that you're, the, that you're believing right now. Right. And we tend to question, I think I said this last week, we, we question all our beliefs, except the ones we really believe. <laughs> and so I think it's worth doing this work over and over and over again. I don't think you, this stops because when you do start making money, you just have different levels of scarcity and different forms of scarcity pop up. So I think the more important thing that you take away is that you are on the lookout for symptoms of scarcity, right? Feeling fear, feeling pressure, feeling like um, that limited, like there's limitation or there's only so much that I can create. And you're using that as a, almost like a symptom checker. Like, oh, like when did I stop believing in abundance? When did I stop believing there was all options available to me? When did I start believing that I needed either or instead of I can have both, right? And that kind of mindset of kind of observing the scarcity, shifting out of it, you get quicker. Like, I don't think um, it's that you ever stop doing. It's just how quick can you shift out of scarcity? That's what the game is. Not that you never get into scarcity. It's how quick can you shift out of it? Okay. So I'd love to do coaching or answer questions, um, especially if you've been feeling a little scarcity. If you feel um, like you can come on, I'd love to coach you on it in real time. Anyone feeling brave? You can coach me. Okay. I love that you're brave, Brooke. Let's do it. I'm living in scarcity. All right. I'm really trying not to, but it is really hard <laughs> when all evidence seems to say 
not going well. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So could you like, have you done um, any self-coaching? Like what are your thoughts right now? Um, I think I struggle with like successes for other people yeah. and not me. Like I believe in everyone else except myself. Um, I've been looking a lot. So yes, I do. Like I've been reading books and I'm really trying and um, I feel like maybe it's like the darkest night before the dawn right now. I'm hoping like before there's a breakthrough, but um, I've been looking at like childhood and how like I had a wonderful childhood. So it's really hard for me to be like, and this is the stuff that messed me up. But when I look back at my childhood, I'm probably older than most of you, but like guest jeans were super popular. And I never had a pair of guest jeans because like my dad was in the Air Force and like we had a big family and it just didn't make financial sense, right? So I, I appreciate that I didn't. I appreciate my parents. Like I know that it wasn't because they were like, you don't deserve them. Right. But I also think that in my brain, I took that to mean Brooke, you don't deserve like the things that other people have. Everybody else gets good stuff except for you. So you just fall in line and take whatever you can get. And it's like, I'm 46 years old. Like I've had that belief for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and I see it in like, now that I've sort of identified it, I see it everywhere in my life. Yes. I, that thought, I feel like a lot of women have that thought. I wrote it down. You take what, what you can get. Or you accept what you can get mm-hmm. instead of creating what you want. Yeah. I mean, I even say sometimes, like, we'll be talking about what's for dinner. And I'm like, well, I mean, it doesn't matter what I want. Like, and then I'm like, wait, that's really terrible that I really think, like, I don't matter. Just whatever everyone else wants, I'll, I'll take the scrap. Like, I'll eat someone's leftover macaroni and cheese. It's fine. Because I don't deserve what I want. Wow. I'm so messed up. No, but see, that's the judgment piece that I was telling you about. (laughs) Not only do you believe that, you know, you only get leftovers, you also believe it's so messed up. My mind is so messed (laughs) up. I know. So it's like doubly bad. Yeah. And we do this. We like layer it on, right? Instead of being like the neutral gentle witness like I'm having the thought like I really am witnessing my my brain believing that I only deserve like what's left yeah interesting oh it looks like that came from what like growing up like that is well that was just true right do I want that to stay true what else do I want like what do I actually want to believe I'm going to ask you to answer that question. Like, what do you want to believe instead? Well, I want to believe in abundance for myself and everyone else. Like you talk about, like, you know, when you look around, I kind of do a meditation. Just imagine like I'm growing tomatoes. I'm not like a gardener, but anyway, (laughs) like in my meditation, I just imagine like tomatoes overflowing and flowers overflowing, just like how much abundance, right? I went to Iceland earlier this summer and 
like there's so much beauty everywhere. God didn't say like, oh, there's just a little bit and it's only for you. Like it's everywhere. And so I feel like everything points to abundance except my mind. Yeah. So I want to believe that that the things that are in my heart are things that I can do and make happen and that they can lead to abundance for me and for others. Like that's what I want to believe. Yeah. But is there a but? But when you can't pay your bills or like, you know, it's like you're eking it out every month. Like the evidence says, it's a nice belief, but that is not real. Like that is not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is like the classic example on the left. You have a bush of limitation. You've grown that (laughs) bush so well. Right. And now it's like, I'm asking you to like, believe in this little plant. It's like, like you're like, no, that's not real. This is real. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, and sometimes I'm able to step back and say, you know what? Like, yes, like things are very tight, but like, look, we have in the gratitude of what exists, which is more than enough. But then I struggle with being like grateful for what I have and then not limited not limiting what I hoped for. You know, it's like, well, you have enough. Okay, then I should just be happy and shut up. Who, who's, vo- like, do you hear someone's voice saying that? Is it someone you know? Or is it yours? Um, it's, probably mine but I think there's maybe some of my moms there mm-hmm. who I love like I yes. feel terrible even saying that right like who I love <laughs> but I think she is like me and, and I grew up she I am her daughter right like we take what we get we do the best we can we're survivors we make it work like never ask for anything yes. never demand anything Yes. And there, this is where our conversation about status is coming in. It's like, what are you, I I feel like, are you worried your mom's going to judge you if you had more than enough? If you had an overflow and total abundance and you didn't actually have to try that hard and you weren't squeaking by every month, what would your mom think about you? Yeah. I mean, I was worried about telling her I was going to Iceland, like, and, and actually everyone I met, I was like, I'm going to Iceland, but like, I know it's you told me this, you're like, it's for work. Like, I know I shouldn't do it. Like, I don't deserve it. I mean, literally. And I'm like, and then after a while I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, why don't I deserve it any more than anyone else deserves it? But she never went, like, she, she was home with us. She yep. never, like, went, went places or on vacation. Like, that, in light of what I see of from her, is very indulgent. And so it's hard for me. Yes, like, that's super helpful. As much as I love her, I'm like, oh, I want to do some of these things. And I want it to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because 
if we, if I were to sit down with your mom and ask her like, what do you want for Brooke? She would, you know, she would not tell me, you know, I really just, I really want her to just like squeak by every month. Like <laughs> that's what I really want for her. I want her to struggle. I want her to like really, you know, work for what she had. <laughs> Like she wouldn't tell me, she would tell me, I want I know, I know. for her. And this is where cognitive dissonance yeah. is so real. We have these beliefs that contradict each other, right? Where it's like, I want her to yeah. have the world, but I also believe hard work, working hard for your money is really important. I want her to have mm-hmm. total abundance and experience and joy, but I also believe like money can run out and we do like, this is the battle inside, right. you know? And, and then as a, as a parent, like I look at my children, like my oldest daughter who is struggling with some of this stuff too. She goes to a very affluent school um, with people who have just like unthinkable amounts of money. And so I'm like trying, like, I don't want her to take this crap on that I have issues with, but at the same time, like there's reality. And so I'm like always juggling this, like what I hope for. Yeah. What is. yeah. Okay. This is where I'm like cuckoo, but like it served me really well, but reality is literally just created. It's not this blanket thing. Those rich people created it. That is real. Just as real as you squeaking by with bills, but you created that and they created that. And so that one of the things that I read a, a really good book, it's not really money related, but it helped me. It's called the gentle art of blessing. And um, also this was in The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. For those of you who missed the beginning, I shared some books, but um, he, and he says, bless that which you want. Instead of being jealous or frustrated, when you see a rich person, bless them because you want to be rich. This really healed my heart. I used to be super triggered by rich people, even though I want to be rich, <laughs> right? Like, oh, they're like, you know, totally. Um, and so part of it was like, you know, I bless them in their abundance. I bless them in their activities. I hope their children are totally secure. I hope that their businesses continue thriving. Like I want that for them because it healed my heart from my own desires. And it allowed me to just say things like, I want to be rich. When did that become bad? You know, um, because same thing, my mom would want me yeah. to be rich. Like if she was being, if she was being interviewed, she'd be like, of course I want her to be rich. I want her to be well taken care of. But then she would kind of like your mom say things that like didn't add up, you know? And so one yeah. of the things that I did was just, I, I blessed my parents too. Like they gave me great lessons on hard work and achievement and being a good person. Mm-hmm. They just didn't teach me how to be a wealthy woman, but I don't need to judge that. Mm-hmm. who's going to teach me that mm-hmm. you know we don't need to judge your mom for how she lived we can be super grateful for your mom and everything that she taught you and exactly. acknowledge that some of what she taught you is literally limiting you right now and we don't have to judge it we're just observing what else do you want to be true and that's where the fun gets to start yeah. the other belief that i can sense is that it might take time to change your financial situation and this is a sneaky one yeah because I talked about time. And one of the things that I play with is like make like bending time. What if everything changed next month? What if like next month you created such an overflow that you weren't stressed about bills? And that was the, this month is the last month you were ever stressed about bills. How often have you been entertaining that thought? Yeah. I mean, my thought is always like, well, even if it's possible, it's going to take a long time. To a long out time. And, yeah. yeah. 
and oh, we delay massive action. Get to work. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like really <laughs> believing, like, no, I can change my financial situation this month, this week. What do I need to do? Who do I need to be? Really being the owner. Yeah. Because if we anticipate it's going to take a long time, no creative solutions exist today. They don't. You block up, you like don't even entertain them because they're in the future. And guess what? When we think something's in the future, it always stays in the, in the future. We never get there. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, the other thing that I wrote down is to be an excellent receiver. And this starts for all of you guys. I'm not just picking on Brooke, although I'm going to pick on Brooke. Like, um, this doesn't just come with money, right? So this is something that I, I got this from my mom, right? Someone will compliment her and she'd brush it off. Like, oh, this dress I got from, you know, whatever. Oh, like, you know, it's so easy. Like, she can't receive. And so for a lot of my life, like, I would, I would do that. When someone would say, oh, like, you're such a good friend. I'd be like, oh, it's nothing, right? Oh, like, you did such a good job. Oh, you know, instead of being like, no, thank you. Thank you. And so, and this is a mindset of receivership, right? It, we give and we receive. And so part of our work too, you know, if you want to make money, part of make, you wouldn't really make money. We receive money mm-hmm. is being willing to accept people's words, compliments and money. Okay. Um, as a form of gratitude for them, because think about how it feels like, Brooke, I love your hair. I love it. You're like cringing in your skin, right? Instead Terrible. of saying, thank you. My hair is the worst. See, but no. exactly. It's <laughs> like that not everyone believes that. That is just your belief about your hair. And when people try to compliment you instead of receiving it, you like, you deny it. And so in money compliments, it's but then all I, I bet the pattern, right? Yeah. And it's a pattern. I bet people have been trying to pay you, but maybe energetically you've been shut off to receiving them mm-hmm. or like, there's like a caveat, right? Like, okay, I want to buy, I want to invest in the small seed or I want, I, you know, people are like, I want to get a subscription. You're like, are you sure? Because you might be just squeaking by every month. Right. right? The lens right. that you see things through. So I don't want to make your financial situation harder on you. It's like the, what we believe about our, our money actually really influences our ability to make money in business. Cause it's like the lens that we see everything through. Yeah. And I'm really good at giving, like, there's so many like small businesses or women run businesses that I just love to support. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love to buy things and, and support them, but it is not easy for me to imagine people doing the same for me. Because I'm going to be lovingly, really honest. You suck at receiving. And that's okay. It's a <laughs> I skill. do. I totally do. But what's great is it's a skill you can learn. It's not just something, you know, I was born an awful receiver and this is how I'll die. Like, it's a skill. It's something you can learn. Like the next time someone gives you a compliment, don't, don't shut it down. Just say, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. That's your challenge because part of the money thing is receiving. Yeah. So if 
if you, if you thanks everybody for letting me have yeah this no this was good for everyone I promise Brooke so last thing before <laughs> I take someone else like when you imagine like your yeah. financial woes just disappearing how far like if you're being really honest how far in the future do you think they are I mean like five years yeah yeah it's super depressing yeah so how motivated are you to build your business this week today it's gonna take five years no, because it feels like, right. It's like, oh my gosh, this is this is all uphill. Like I, it makes me want to give up and go take it. Exhausting. Sounds exhausting. Yeah. Um. Without you can, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, if I was in a private conversation with you, this is the question that I would ask you: How much money do you need to feel like you're over the mountain? You don't have to answer on this call, but spend time thinking about that because. Once you see like, okay, like if I made like $20,000 or whatever it is, like that would change everything for me. Like I would, that would be able, I would be able to pay off some bills and put some money away and invest in my business. And like, what number is that? One of the things that blew my mind on that um, call that I was talking about with Alpha Femme, she was like, cause I had debt at this time, like a lot of like student loan, mm -hmm. personal debt when we both left mm -hmm. our master's degree. Anyway. And one of the things that she talked about was like, what if you could pay off your debt in a single month? Have you ever thought about that? And I, it blew my mind because mm -hmm. I had done all the calculations, right? It's going to take me 10, 15 years to get out of all my student loan debt or whatever. If I paid $300 a month for 20 years or whatever. And mm -hmm. that was my seed that I had grown, right? I didn't even see it, that that was just a belief that I believed I needed to take time to, to pay off debt. And the, the little sapling that she introduced was like, what if you paid it all off in a month? Who would you need to be? What would you need to do? And that blew my mind. And now I'm way more interested in tending mm -hmm. to that sapling, right? But so for you, you're like the guard, like the guarded bush that you've been planting and watering is like, it's going to take five mm -hmm. years for my business to take off. What if we did it in this month? What would it take to do it by the end of the mm -hmm. year where you're never going to be in this situation again? Mm -hmm. collapse time because mm -hmm. also think about how exciting it like how much energy is unlocked like imagine if your business really did take off and you never had to worry about your bills ever again or your your babies would never have to worry about bills in their lifetime because of the work you did in the next four months how much energy would you have to get stuff done i just have to believe that's possible yeah. Yeah. That's the sapling, right? Like that's the little seed that grew today mm -hmm. is like, it could be done in four months. Well, and like you said, I don't have to talk, like it may not feel true now, but it is what I want to believe is true. Right. And so I nurture that so that it becomes yeah. true as opposed to being like, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. It's like almost like, <laughs> Get out of like what if it was true? that it took four months instead of being like four months. That's, that's crazy. I'm going to stomp it. I'm going to kill it versus like, huh, I'm going to put that in a little pot by my bed. I'm going to water it. I'm going to think about that. Like what if it was only four months and you're like, maybe you're at, you're at dinner and like, what if everything could change in four months? What if like, what would that be like? Like you're just entertaining it. That's fueling the belief too. Instead of making it wrong. Yeah. Okay, 
put it in a little pot mentally, put it by your bed. When you imagine this pot, I'll be like waving, hey, water this plant. Now you have a great visual. <laughs> I mean, no, okay. If you, really on it, yeah. if you really do come Saturday, I'm going to bring you a little, a little potted plant. <laughs> thank you Brick. i love it i love hey, it anyone That's else awesome so good thank you you're welcome anyone else want to get on really quick and get coached on this kind of stuff yeah Abin. um i have scarcity with my pricing okay. for my coaching um i have worked with it a ton with you over the time i've been in pro coach and the matrix and where I am right now is I want to raise my price, but I'm afraid to, because then I won't get clients. That's what the belief I have. And, um, part of why I have that belief is past evidence. I tried rising my price at the beginning of 21 to 5k for six months. And then I got all no's after that in my consult calls. And then I stopped getting consult calls. And I think it was because of my own mindset of like, I'm charging too much. I'm not good enough. This isn't working. No one wants me now. And then it just, and I was pregnant. I mean, you never know, like there's other things too. I didn't, yeah. I thought I could still coach while I was pregnant, but I think part of my mind didn't want to, cause I didn't know how it was going to be when I had the baby, but now I'm here. Things are going well. I have gotten new clients the last couple of weeks. I have four consult calls this week. And part of me just wants to stay where I am. Cause I'm like, I feel safe to do that, but I'm I really think it's out of fear of raising my price because if I raise my price, but what, what, it's just, when do you know to raise your price for the right reason? Is it not scarcity that I'm keeping my price lower? My rule of thumb is usually if it's on my mind, it probably means I need to raise it. Um, in my experience, when it, when it's like from a good place, which I feel like yours is, not like how much money can I squeeze out of people? Like, not that. It's mm-hmm. like, what kind of level of service am I delivering? I want to raise it because I've grown myself as a coach. Um, these are the kinds of people I want to work with. That's the other thing that happens when we raise our prices. We kind of change the type of person we work with, right? The, the level of mm-hmm. they are. And that's who you want to work with. That's who you're excited to work with. It makes sense to raise your prices. The thing that I think is that I think through is like, are you willing to get a no for that price? Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid to, cause I've calculated it. And if I get two clients from the four consult calls, I'll reach my new goal. I've changed, I've raised my goal for the year and it will get me there. So it's like, it feels really good. Just feel like, yeah. let's just stay where we are safe and reach even my new higher goal. And I'll yeah. have lots of clients and I'll feel great. And I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, but then why is this even on my mind? Like you said, like why? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to walk you through one of the scenarios that I had to go through. I was raising my price by like five, five grand. Like it was like a, it was a significant price increase. And someone messaged me right after I changed it and was like, she was a no on a consult. I did the thing that I teach, like, heck yes or no for now. She's a no for now. Weeks later, she messaged me that she was a yes, but I had raised my prices since our consult. Does that make sense? And I remember I messaged my coach because I was like, do I just give it to her for the price? And she's like, well, why did you raise your price? And I was like, because I I believed in it. And she, I was like, then that's what you do. And so I told her and she was a no. And it killed me inside. I was like, I made a mistake. 
And then like two days later, someone who's an amazing client came through like very quickly. And that doesn't always happen, but I was willing mm-hmm. to risk the no, because I believed in the kind of person that I wanted to work with, if that makes sense. And so you might get a no, like, like that. I think that that's an emotional thing. That's good to sort through. Um, but if you like your reasons for yes, and you imagine this person who's going to come through at that new pricing and it feels right, you have to honor and believe in it because it's not an accident. You don't just like, I'm going to raise my prices. Like that doesn't come from nowhere. It comes Mm -hmm. from your your own like evolution as a coach. Yes. And I think it's still all those like bushes I have from my childhood of money and how hard you work for it. And it's, it, those beliefs make it feel a little immoral almost to raise my prices. And so that's where I struggle yeah. with And it. that, if you feel immoral, think about the word immoral. You're not an, an immoral. Right. Person. So there's no way in heck you're going to feel confident selling if you feel like an immoral person. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. You have to get sold on your pricing and what, what you're offering and for who. Kind of like what I teach about high ticket, like it doesn't, it feels manipulative if you're selling to some, like, I really believe this, like, um, if you're selling to someone and the ROI doesn't make sense, their financial situation doesn't make sense. And you sell it hard to someone who's not a good fit. That's immoral, right? Like that does not feel good. That feels manipulative versus like imagining someone on the other side who wants to invest big, who's excited to create big results with you. The ROI makes sense. The timing makes sense. The person makes sense. And you're lit up by sharing your price. That feels totally different. That's not immoral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we look at it through that lens, I like see the difference of the morality and not moral, but I think it's going just to like money mindset, even of just like money is evil, wanting money, putting money on values where the morality thing comes up. Yeah. This is how, this is how I like, it's weird, but I got over that because um, of a lot of things. Like it wasn't just like a one fell swoop, but like, okay, let's say, use Brooke's um, tomato example. Like if I were to be a tomato grower and I grew an abundance of tomatoes, am I evil for growing tomatoes? No. No. The only reason money exists is because as a society, we decided to create a medium of exchange, right? So that I don't have to trade your my tomatoes for your milk. Like I don't, I don't have to do that. I can just pay you. But it came from substance right money became a substance instead of trading which is very Mm -hmm. abundant wealth consciousness like conscious because we're not even limited by gold it's all made up it's all agreed on by by society right truly like it's not backed by gold there is no bank that will give you like gold coins (laughs) for your cash tender right it's all agreed upon but we get these ideas. It's just, so it's just an idea. And some people use that idea for a lot of good. And some people use that idea for a lot of bad. You're a good person. More money will just allow you to do more good things, but you have to Mm -hmm. really believe that in your bones. And believe that receiving money, kind of like you're talking with Brooke is good. 
Yeah. I'm like giving money is good, but receiving money. Well, like think, okay. If I were to ask you, I'm okay. You're going to earn $20,000 this month. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to go like hurt someone? Are you going to go do bad (laughs) things with it? No, no. Most of you guys on this call would do amazing things with more money. Maybe you invest in yourself. Maybe you put money away for your kids. Maybe you pay off some debt. Maybe you give money to an organization that you really care about. Maybe you take your family out to dinner and you tip a hundred percent. I don't know, but I know it'd be good. Even if it's just taking care of your family, isn't that good? Mm -hmm. You're not going to be like, I'm going to go like below it and do nothing for other people. Like I just, that's not who you are. Yeah. The way you just said that actually brought me of like receiving money is giving money because everything you said I would do with it would be giving still, even if it's to myself, but it's like receiving money is a way of giving money. So yeah, they call it currency, right? It comes in and it goes out. Yeah, we don't, I'm not going to be like Scrooge and just sit there counting it. Like, (laughs) yeah, you're not going to, look at all this money I have, right? Like that's just, yeah, like visualize it. It's just like funny because we're like, yeah, that's not really me anyway. Um, The other thing that I learned from a guy named Grant Cardone, he's like, he's like being rich is selfless because let's, let's say like this is became very true for me recently. I had a friend who's like in financial trouble. If I didn't have financial resources, I couldn't have helped her. So it's a good thing that I've, I've grown myself to be able to create money. Right. Because if I was in an, in, in a hard financial situation, I can't give to my friend who needs money. So is it selfish for me to try to make more money or is it actually really good for the world when I make more money? Mm-hmm. It's good for the world. Good. I personally believe in why I love doing what I do is like the more good people learn how to make more money, the better our world will become because more good people with more money is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And I love all this and I believe this kind of stuff, but then when it comes back down to the pricing, I, my fear is that none of the people I'm working with or talk to can afford it if I raise yeah. my price. This, that I think that it will blow your mind. What if you didn't need to know how or why these people had the money to pay you? That just that they did. Yeah. This is one of those beliefs that like it probably feels like a little sapling. Right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe, maybe they just have the money. What if that was just true? Mm-hmm. What if they already, have- and I don't need to worry about it now or later or whenever, like that's not, you don't need to worry ever. about it ever. That's not your responsibility. Yeah. Right. I'm good at, um, worrying things that aren't my job to worry about as a mom and person, like it's just a natural thing so that that does help just to let go of that responsibility. Yeah. Because here's, what's going to happen. This is where I, I, I started planting that seed. I remember the first consult I had where she and her husband were like self-made multimillionaires. I didn't, I did not create that. I didn't have to worry about that. Right. But you have to do your work. I wouldn't have been able to be a match for that or even, even entertain that belief or that possibility if I didn't do the work (laughs) myself to plant the seeds, right. That there's people who are ready, willing and able to pay you right now. 
That's a belief that I like still practice. I like that. It has nothing to do with the other person, right? It just has to do with what you are thinking about. <laughs> but um, for all of you guys listening, like you get to decide what kinds of clients get to pay you. And I think that was really helpful for me is like, why not imagine people who are excited and have the cash and are ready to roll? Why are you imagining people who are, who are limited? Because usually it's because we have our own limiting beliefs, right? And so that's the lens we see everyone from. And so you block people who are ready, willing, and able to pay you and want to. And so that, that's like a seed that I definitely think all entrepreneurs should plant and nurture is like people have money to pay you. They want to pay you and they're, they're in your awareness, in your orbit right now. That's a really powerful belief. Okay. Any final questions or thoughts before we go? Okay. I just wanted to say oh, yeah. So, yeah. on the, the scarcity. So for me, I've been living in the scarcity since we talked last and I like, okay, so um, am I really a, a writer who is good enough to write? I've, you know, yeah. 25 books out there. And so I was thinking that, you know, maybe I had, you know, run out of my talent or that it wasn't what I needed to be doing. And so um, I just decided, well, it, like I have listened to my first book since it, you know, 12 years ago. Yeah. And a lot of people will say, listen, don't read your first books. Be sad, you know, and all that yeah. stuff. I just thought, well, I, I need to really know if, if I'm good enough, you know, and if your first book isn't good enough, then the rest of them probably aren't good enough either is what I was telling myself. So, um, I listened to my first book and finished it yesterday. And I just thought to myself, dang, you are a great writer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so it like, so I've been living this, you know, figuring out, I, I found the evidences that I needed in order to boost that belief back to where it was before so that I could actually, cause even though I've started on this journey of writing again, I've been doing everything, but the writing part. Yeah. And so now I feel like you can do this and yeah. who your audience is, you are hitting exactly who your audience is. And so I just wanted to say that it works if you decide to open your eyes and look for those evidences yeah. that they will appear because despite all the naysayers and people who tell me, you know, don't do these particular things. Um, I just am a different person since I started listening to you and applying what you have been teaching because I'm different with my family, with my daughters, with my husband, with my students. Um, and I think I'm such a better person because I'm on this journey. So I just want to say thank you. Thanks, Cindy. I appreciate that. that. What you teach really impacts people in amazing ways. Thank you. And I'm so excited for who I am becoming and who I have always truly been 
and discovering who that person is. Yeah. So, oh yeah, thank you're just you. Getting, well, thank you. That was very kind. Um, and you're just getting started. Like truly. Yeah, like, it's so yeah, exciting. Like, <laughs> like, and um, I love that you used your own book as evidence that you're a good writer. That's awesome. And this is what I want to offer. Even if you listen to that book, and hated it. I would have coached you differently. <laughs> I would have. So this is what's cool. It's like, we get to make the rules. This is the game we get to play. I would have used that in a different way to like, and it's 12 years ago, you have so much experience. Like you can use evidence in your yeah. favor, no matter what it is. Right. So you happen to listen to the book and feel, feel assurity. Some of you are like, I don't have that. And I just want to offer, like, you can use whatever you need to as evidence to grow. And that, and, and to be and do what you need to do. And I think that that's helpful too. So like, even if you didn't love the book, Cindy, you could have used that as like, but I'm a more seasoned writer. I, I exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah. even easier, you love the book and you're like, okay, like I do know what I'm doing. Now I hope you actually <laughs> yeah. go do the writing. Have you read um, A War on Art? No. It's a really good book by Stephen Pressfield. He talks about writer's block, basically. Um, uh-huh. It's really good. But I don't, I don't think you need it. I have a feeling like you're going to get to work. So <laughs> yep. today I'm going to write today. Yes. I love so it. Exciting. Love it. I love it. Cool. Well, thank you guys. This is so good. Thanks for sharing all your stuff and being brave and vulnerable and sharing. That makes it real for people. So I, I always appreciate people share. All right. Okay. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. We have, we have, we're doubling up calls. Um, because I'm out of town the last week, I'm taking my kids to Disney World. So um, we're going to double up. We'll meet on Wednesday in the afternoon at like 12, I think. But I will send an email because I can't remember what actual time it is. But <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Coaching Matrix private podcast. I just wanted to tell you, thank you for being a member. Thank you for being here. I hope you found today's episode helpful for your life and for your business. And I want you to know that I am cheering you on and I will see you in another episode.